Clubhouse. Welcome back to Heller Good, the Younger Podcast. This is Sheila. And this is Emma. And we are back. Surprise! Even though Younger has ended, we are back for another recording. So we hinted that there was going to be like a little bit of a surprise after the finale, that uh, there might be something that you would see from us and it would be Younger related. So we're back. There was a panel this week at ATX Festival in Austin. It's been the 10th year of the festival. It's dedicated to all things TV and entertainment. And Younger has had a presence at this panel every single year it's been on TV. So this year, notwithstanding being the finale, there was lots of fanfare about it. And they got a Sunday billing, which is kind of like prime time. So they had Joanna Robertson. She's a writer from Vanity Fair. She was moderating the panel. And it was recorded before the finale aired, which was a little, I think, with the heightened emotions that we saw. We had Nico Tortorella, who we all know as Josh. Team Josh, yay! Molly Bernard, who plays Lauren. And Jackie DiMatteo, costume designer for the show, who shall henceforth be known just as Jackie because I've stumbled 17 times over her name. So, Emma, what did you think about this panel? So, I've never really watched a panel before. I've never been to any of these sort of festivals or Comic-Con or anything. You have not dived into the nerdy world of Comic-Cons? No, I know you go quite regularly, Sheila, so I know this is a a normal thing for you, but not so much for me. But it was interesting, you know, seeing the actors talk about their experience of filming the show, being on the show. You know, I really quite enjoyed it. And also seeing, hearing from the costume designers because clothes have always been a big part of this show. So hearing some of her struggles and the things she thinks about when she's doing her work uh, was quite interesting. I quite enjoyed that. I love how these panels, A, give you access to the, the cast and the creators behind the show and to see that, like, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit, like the peek behind the scenes of, of how like the magic happens, because I like the process as much as the result. So I feel like getting the context and maybe getting some what went well, what went wrong, you know, what was a disaster, what was a huge triumphant win. I like that because then I can go back to watch. So I absolutely, after Nico was talking about their role at the end of that final scene in the bar with Liza, and he was talking about how emotional they were feeling at that moment, I went back and I was like, Oh man, Josh's eyes, like they're red, like they were puffy at one point. So I think it was just the editing, but like we were watching it just, you know, just the whole way through and, you know, maybe weren't necessarily paying attention to that little detail nuance. But now having the context of that, I went back and I was like, oh, Nico, what happened? Yeah, that was quite interesting. But also even while he was talking about it, he was getting emotional on the panel as well. And even Molly, um, who plays Lauren, had to like wipe tears way as well so you know the emotions are still there for for them all they recorded this panel right before the finale aired so they were still caught up in the emotions of this you know frankly i was too i was watching this and i was just like okay we're only 
three days removed from the finale and I'm getting more younger. So like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with this. But at the same time, I'm just like getting the context. And Molly, when she talked about like her favorite moment from the series, from the season being, you know, there for the last days, that like kind of caught me. I was just like, oh, I, I, you know, we as audience members, I don't think appreciate how much time that that cast and creatives like spent together. And I think just seeing this panel and seeing the love for the, the show that they have, it makes me love the, love the product that much more. And as, you know, Molly says, she, she was basically lived her 20s doing this show, which is a really formative part of your life. And, and when you make a lot of close friendships that, you know, move forward with you in your life, because I know a lot of my friends from my 20s are still my friends now. Hi. Um, you know, yes, definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, were, we, were, the yeah, we were just on the cusp of 20s, but, you know, like, we're still here. So it would have been, you know, a, a big formative part of her life. So, yeah, you can see why there would be emotion around that, but I can't see this cast not being involved in each other's lives in some shape or form. But I also thought it was so cute how she was like, I wrote a fan letter to Sutton Foster when I was 14 And, and here I am hugging her at the end of the series, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, that's so cute. So I mean, like, we, we've done highlights for all of our other episodes, right? So we've done, so what was your highlight from this panel? You know what I think it was, which seems really weird, but it was actually having Jackie talking about her seeing mistakes in the show. <laughs> Yes. Oh, she was so embarrassed. I felt bad for her. It was so funny because I've got other friends that have worked, you know, sort of in showbiz industry. One's a visual effects person and, and he talks about when he goes and watches, you know, a movie with visual effects, you'll sit there going, oh that's not good or this is like they can't turn their brain off and uh, I remember also going to Broadway with Carol once okay as you know she she did stage lighting and that was what she studied at university and I saw Les Mis with her and she basically spent the whole show critiquing looking at the light <laughs> horrible for me because like I just get so much enjoyment out of like that entertainment world that if I was if I was that much in the know about what makes it go it would drive me nuts yeah I think for me I'm lucky I feel blessed that I can just turn my brain off and enjoy it for what it is whereas I think people in the industry sort of go into that analytical oh how would I have done that I would have done it differently or oh my god how did I make that bigger mistake and you know it, it's like they can't just in sit back and enjoy it it's like they're always got the mind in work mode so yeah i thought hearing her talk about that i was like oh that's why i'm glad i don't work in the entertainment industry exactly i at least could just sit back and enjoy it so i think my favorite part was how they were just talking about like this love affair that they have for each other that they have this genuine respect across just the cast of creatives and and just how heartfelt it was like you know you've seen a ton of interviews and all these different things where you like, oh, yeah, we get along so well. And then, like, you know, TMZ will come in and be like, fights on the set. <laughs> I loved how genuine their their friendships for each other are. And it's as equal between the two cast members that we saw as much as Jackie from the creative side. They they have this this mutual admiration for each other. And I, I fully expect to see a younger reunion, something on 
on the maybe not on the scale of the Friends reunion because that was that was oh, obviously was like friends. a worldwide <laughs> massive hit. But you know these types of festivals bring cast and creatives back for reunion type panels, right? So I fully expect that we will continue this younger love affair. And hey, if that reunion panel happens, guess we'll be back to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely will. But. I mean, I'm still holding out for some sort of spin-off or even, like, a movie in a couple of years or, you know, even a Netflix year in the life of, like, they did for Gilmore Girls. Something in the future would be amazing. I just feel like this is such a great show. How could there not be something more for it? in the future. So I think that's a really good segue into actually the first question from the panel, right? So Joanna Robinson, she asked the question, like, what makes Younger so appealing? Basically framing the question saying that, like, you know, you might tell people about the show, they might be skeptical about it in the beginning, and then they watch it, and then they're, like, hooked. What do you think makes the show appealing? So you know, what was your what was your reaction to what they said? I kind of agree. They talked about how it was the chemistry of the cast and crew that translated onto screen. That's so true because it's the relationships that they show. There's a clear, you know, affection between them all. I mean, I know they're all actors and they're trained and stuff like that, but but like uh, Lauren's, oh no, not Lauren, that's her character's name, but Molly <laughs> says, you know, you can't sort of just act chemistry sometimes. It really is there or isn't. And I'm sure you've seen shows where there's just, there's something missing and it, and it just doesn't work even though you know they're all great actors and they're doing their best but they just don't seem to be connecting in this show they really connect with each other and sort of have this lightness but it's also just like it's a bit of fun it's quick it's easy you know I've mentioned my dad is watching the show she she mainly started watching because I said you have to watch it so you can listen to the podcast and then she uh, got to the beginning of season two and she's like I hate you I'm hooked <laughs> you know so it is it's just like you start watching you just can't stop because it's just a bit of fun and, and i think particularly i think a lot of people discovered this show in the last year or so with streaming services i know you did and i've heard a lot of other people have just discovered it recently i think given everything that's happened in the world recently it's a nice escape from reality. I agree. And I, yes, I was one of those late adopters to Younger. And it was that question that Joanna phrased to them was exactly me. I was like, I never heard of this show. Why would I want to watch it? Why do I want to get invested in six seasons right now? And then I was like, oh, right. I'm not doing anything else because it's locked out. It was about this time last year that I, I was finishing it up. I would say like that first scene with like Liza and Josh in the bar, there's like this electricity and you just mm-hmm. need to know like what happens to these two people. And I really liked what Molly said. Like she says, you can't act your way out of chemistry. Like what you see on screen is what is translated right from the set. So she says like, you know, we, we got to know each other. We, we became friends and it, it goes deeper than that. It's, it, it's like cooking, right? There's a difference between like, cooking for just eating purposes which is like a show that we would watch where like all the ingredients are right but mm, there's just like that chef's kiss is mwah, is missing this show has the mwah, like it's the difference between something being just edible and something being really savory so i just i really enjoyed hearing their answers because they're also their faces lit up when they were talking about yeah, like how proud know. they were of this show so i really enjoyed I really enjoyed that part of this. For, and this is where they talked about like some of my favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> 
so the the next question was about Josh and talking about how he was sort of unhooked from the railway weren't they with Liza and Charles and Josh the triangle didn't exist this season as uh, we all know um, and they also wanted his thoughts on that particularly memorable I know you guys call it diaper but I have to say nappy, it's a nappy <laughs> you gotta Australia. go with nappy it's fine <laughs> nappy yes, is diaper the... diaper is nappy there's your translation <laughs> yeah yeah so they wanted his thoughts on, on that amazing adult nappy scene I'll leave it to you what was your reaction to his response I thought it was hilarious how while Jackie was saying that, you know, there's some weird shit out there on the internet and almost like you can't unsee some of the things that you've seen once you go searching for an adult baby diaper. Did you know that existed before? I did not. I will tell you a couple of years ago when Bohemian Rhapsody came out, it came out here like right before Halloween. I'm sorry, right after Halloween. So I was Freddie Mercury that Halloween for Christmas and I did like the the Live Aid look. So I had the, the white, you know, t-shirt, like like a singlet like type shirt, you know, the cut off sleeves. And I had like, not quite Wrangler jeans, but they were like that light acid wash. And I had the Adidas sneakers and I went looking for like his spiky armband and I, I put into Amazon like leather spiked armband. Oh my oh good my grief. God. What I came back with in my search history and then my recommendations were like effed up for weeks afterwards. I was getting all kinds of dominatrix stuff. I was getting all kinds of BDSM. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not my kink. And also maybe you didn't want Luke to use your computer for a little while. Well, you know, it's a family account. So, you know, I had some I had some splaining to do. Like, why is all this leather spiky stuff coming up in my recommendations, Sheila? And I was just like, um, I was looking for my costume armband sure I was so yeah so I I realized that there's a lot of stuff out there and basically now knowing that if I ever needed to do an adult baby for Halloween or a costume party that there is some deep deep dark corner of the internet that will oblige anyone that's lived in the UK will be aware of a channel called channel 4 that has some interesting documentaries on late at night sometimes I was going to say you look a little scarred I was going to say, I did actually know about this because I remember seeing a documentary all about, and I will say it was like middle-aged men. Don't remember seeing any women on this this show. Middle-aged men that would, like, as a sexual fetish, like act like a baby and have, uh, you know, a person treat them like a baby and would wear diapers and have, you know, get fed and all sorts of things. Um... Yes, this may make me sound weird, but anyone that has lived in the UK knows that these documentaries exist. <laughs> on, a, on a free-to-air channel, I might add, um, anyone can watch these. Night, right? it's, it's on late at night, right? It's on late at night. We're talking like maybe 11 o'clock at night. It's, oh, really it's not, not that late. late. <laughs> it's not that late. Um, but they have some unusual um, documentaries on at that time. Um, yeah, so I, have, I, have, I was aware that this was a thing. Yeah, so I, I was not surprised that you could get adult nappies. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if you could, like, put a message on Craigslist in the US and just get, like, someone, particularly in New York, someone delivering you one within, like, an hour or something oh, like I that. Oh, I would you know? fully imagine that that is a service. I will say, though, that uh, when Nico was saying that they're good with kids, um, I, I do feel that millions of ovaries just did the wave. <laughs> Yes. You know, it was so interesting because you always hear actors say, oh, you never should act with kids or animals. And Nico was like, oh, my God, I loved acting yes, with the he... baby. I got along with the baby so well. And, and he was saying, like, how how good he is with kids and how, like, it was his favorite Josh to act. 
like yeah. dad josh so i really want to make a distinction there's a difference and joanna said she goes you know tell me about dad josh and daddy josh i'm like those are two different people dad josh and daddy josh are very very different people <laughs> talking about adult diapers exactly <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely cute, you know, seeing Nico talking about acting with the baby and just how much they loved doing that. And, and also, you know, talking about how Josh had grown up, you know, was more focused on the relationship with Gemma and not so much on a romantic relationship. Yes, there was the, you know, brief thing with KT, but... I I remember, I can't remember what it was season four or five. There was a point where it might have been after the Montana incident and, and, you know, Josh was like, why do you know, does everyone lie? And why can't I just find my person? And I really wanted to be in a relationship and a committed relationship, which you don't often see from men on TV. Right. It's a very... Usually they're running from it. Right. They're just looking for, like, the quick hit, and then, like, off we go. Yeah. But Josh is a different soul, right? So, and I think that Nico really brought that out, that it was easy to shift the focus onto his baby daughter and Mm -hmm. not really have to worry about the romantic relationship so much because, like, that's... It realigned his purpose. I definitely think Josh as a character has been quite an interesting evolution over the series from, you know, the typical guy that lives with his flatmates and plays video games all the time and they don't have a nice clean house and God knows if they clean their sheets I'm not sure that I would have been staying at that place like Liza did but um, (laughs) you saw her face a few times but then he sort of developed and become always been willing to share the emotions as well Yeah. so you know the Josh character has always been as as the character developed, was quite emotional and willing to share those emotions, not the typical man you see where they're not willing to, to talk about their emotions. I, I, I really like that as a character. And then to, you know, devote themselves so much to being a dad as well and, you know, making big lifestyle changes to accommodate their child, even though they work with the mother, right. which uh, a lot of people only do that when they're in a couple. A lot of men tend, well, I don't want to generalize, but. Typically, we've seen horror stories more than yes. the hero stories. I think that's. Yes. that's Where probably... they don't make it a priority. So. Yeah, yeah. So Josh is a, an alternative. Yeah, Josh has been a definitely re- very refreshing male character to see on TV, and especially like the emotionality that he's allowed himself to show us. I think has really been great. All right, so I'm going to move on to the next one. So this one was for Molly. The question was wants to talk about how the show is underrated for how sex positive it is and accepting of basically like anything goes. It's just it's fine. So so Joanna wanted to hear from Molly on because Lauren is the most ostentatious of of the gender fluidity on the show and I just wanted to hear like what you thought about Molly's uh Molly's answer there. I did love how she said that Lauren is an aspirational queer story. Yes. That her her story is not about her being queer, that her parents and, and they're the only parents that you see in the show are completely accepting of her and love her and, and and don't really care, you know, that she wants to be with men or women or or both or just wants her to be in a relationship to have someone look after her. But how she sees that relationship is up to her. They just want, you know... They just want the basics covered. They want safety, security, (laughs) love. And it is quite 
you know, an aspirational thing because so many, I think, characters on TV where they have a queer character focus on their queerness. And and as uh, Molly says, her sexuality is the least interesting thing about her. And it reminded me actually of, of something that my, my dad did. Um, there was like a, it, it was like a, a bus stop ad promoting like trans people and, and that they exist and, and they're in the community and stuff. And my dad was one of the poster people. Are you serious? <laughs> serious, serious. But there was a quote and it was like, I'm a trans woman, but I'm not just a trans woman. I'm much more. We all are much more interesting than just one facet of our lives. And I think, you know, Lauren's story in this show shows that she's much more than that one facet in her life, whereas I think in some shows it does become about that's it. Right. That's that's the, the revolution that we just go around with these people and there's really nothing else to their arc. So this show has been on since 2014. So just having that out there and like as this undercurrent of a show for people to go and see, I really liked what Joanna, the moderator, what she said, she goes, on this show, no one is here to yuck your yum. And I had to kind of like take that, like dial that back. And I was just like, yes, because like there's been a whole lot of stuff in this show that maybe we haven't necessarily seen as mainstream before with say Lauren and her pronouns and Lauren and her, her topless, but going from topless Tuesday to being in a non-heteronormative relationship. And none of that seems out of place. It just, it's, it's a thing that happens and everybody moves on from it. Nobody focuses on this. I mean, they've been focusing on her topless Tuesday because that was in Bryant Park and very public. I do remember that. that I think that's her, the first time we meet her. I, I believe it's the first time that we meet her. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, it's very ostentatious, but it's not the focus. It's just, it just moves on. Having Maggie as being lesbian, it, it's never about necessarily about her sexuality it's just that she'll like come out with like these gayisms that only someone who's lesbian can get away with like if i said it it would be it would come out the wrong way right you and you wouldn't want to to say things like that but like her saying like a gaycation comes out being very normal so i like how how this show strives in its writing to have these little drops like these little drops of of terminology of pronoun understanding pronoun awareness yeah because i think i think lauren had a um assistant or something at one point that was they them yes and and, you know just sort of was like you know don't bring a heteronormative to this you know everyone's different or something like that and then just moved on (laughs) yeah but addressing it i think is something that has not been at least because that was a couple of years ago too, that has not been as mainstream as I think that we would have liked. But I just enjoy this was a focus for this panel because there is is so much normalcy about just being off the mainstream like what we what's considered quote-unquote mainstream and i hate that because like everybody everybody's unique everybody's different and everybody has their own their own story to tell so for us to even like label it as mainstream is it's not right it's just like no one's here to yuck your yum i I like that term (laughs) i i think it's really accepting and i just really enjoyed that this this was a highlight if that younger is this type of show that if you're somebody who maybe doesn't feel like tv watching fits their view of a non-quote-unquote hetero world that this might be something that you could also pick up you'll hear attention to pronouns you'll hear attention to understanding your sexuality and that it changes so and that's okay uh i liked i liked all of these messages and then it doesn't need to be a big deal 
and that doesn't need to be oh my I remember at work once someone was talking about uh, who was transgender and it was like every time I change teams or workplaces I have to come out again and it's like why should you have to <laughs> does that relate to your your performance at work no Exactly. I, I like that they addressed that in the panel. It was great. Uh, so moving on to the next bit. So this was a fashion-focused panel, just a reminder. Of <laughs> but the next question was asking about their favourite costumes. So I'll leave it to you. Were you surprised at their answers? I was not. Nico's answer was very, very in character for who I've seen Nico dress like um at red carpets i've seen him in just different print in media and he should maybe say what the favorite item was (laughs) oh yeah so but so but the fact that he brought like so that he brought his own pieces in to the show and jackie was accepting of that did not shock me because when i've seen him dress it has always been a statement it has always been a very memorable outfit there's always a hat well, not always a hat, but there's oftentimes a hat, so that's a statement already there. And Josh wears hats in the show, so that's what kind of mm-hmm. made me think of that corollary. But he said that his favorite is the motorcycle jacket, so it's 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 his own. It's his own motorcycle jacket, and it's a Saint Laurent, which, like, I don't think you and I combined maybe could afford, but... <laughs> I guess younger pays well. Uh, so yes, yeah, so he says that he tends to be quite the shopper and he has these vintage pieces. He loves what Jackie brought to to his life was that Jackie showing him how to like intermingle like his vintage pieces that he has with some maybe core staple items to really make it work. So they were, so he talked about, was it he or Jackie talked about how, oh, Jackie talked about how her favorite for Josh was when he dressed up that motorcycle jacket to go to the gala with Maggie, with Maggie, the art show with, right with Maggie. And he wore just a white, a plain white button down under this motorcycle jacket. And instantly it was elevated to this regal, elegant event. We actually mentioned in, you know, the podcast we did for that episode how much we loved their outfits in that scene as well. You and know, how authentic uh, it felt to them. Yeah, you know, Maggie coming in in that really sharp suit and just looking absolutely amazing and so confident as well. And and the two of them just looked just like a perfect pair when they went to that art auction. And I really loved that Molly was talking about how Jackie also taught her to dress, that she didn't know what she was doing before. And <laughs> but she like appreciated just like the beauty of a simple knit. So there's there's a lot to to learn from somebody who's got this eye that Jackie has. And I was just fascinated listening to Jackie talk about like her process, really, like understanding who these people are, who they were, who they're becoming, and then translating that into how she picks out clothes for them. I'm just like, can I get a Jackie in my life? Because... Oh my God, I want a Jackie in my life. But I was a bit surprised, you know, Lauren has had some fabulous sort of outfits over the years. So I was surprised that it was a simple knit was her favorite well like the tuxedo shirt right with the yeah, simple yeah. black skirt but i love the fact that they told her to take home that uh i get Miu Miu is a brand i suppose they have a lot of designer show clothes on this show i didn't realize Miu Miu is actually a probably quite an expensive coat <laughs> that very furry fluffy coat at the at the empirical gala in the final episode and then she wears to the hospital yes <laughs> and then she could rock it as easily in a hospital cafeteria as 
as at an empirical 100 anniversary gala and that they told her to take it home because it was so quintessentially Lauren. I really enjoyed that. I like that Jackie brought in Diana to the conversation that is trying to balance Lauren in a power suit versus Diana in a power suit and and finding in those like those larger statement pieces for her necklaces and things like that. So I, I really enjoyed hearing Jackie's process uh, for that. And then just hearing what she liked about like Josh with the motorcycle jacket and it being so versatile for all the situations she needed to dress him for. I tell you what, I, I didn't realize quite how hard a designer would have in <laughs> a show like this, but it, it's a big deal. When she was talking about like having these marathon dress sessions, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I get like frustrated and annoyed like when I have to like try on stuff in Macy's or whatever. I know, I'm like three outfits and done. Yes, I get so like, how many times am I going to take off my shirt? How many times am I going to change? <laughs> so I can only imagine like maybe like a marathon, when they say marathon i feel like that's like seven eight hours <laughs> yeah i feel like it was a day's work yeah definitely because because uh i don't know if this was one of the questions later but just for the listeners basically uh because of covid they needed to do block filming and so they needed basically all of the costumes agreed before they started filming so that's why they're doing like these marathon trying on sessions it would have been a lot yeah you had to have 12 episodes worth of content ready to go and that's where jackie was actually talking about like so how one of the scenes ended up getting filmed they had to say yep go for kelsey yep go for Sutton, yep go for molly and all of a sudden she's like everyone's wearing bows I know. I was like, I would never have noticed. I'm still not entirely sure what scene she was. I almost thought about going back to see it. I know. I don't think she said the episode. I need to like go back and scan through like some of the photos from the podcast episodes. Uh, The next question I really loved. If you could have another character's wardrobe, which one would you steal for yourself? Yes, I agree with Molly. I think Kelsey's, she, she was saying Kelsey's had a closet full of chicness. Yes. And (laughs) lots of amazing designer brands. And I agree. I, I've, I've always quite liked Kelsey's outfits, although I will say in some of the earlier seasons, mm-hmm. I'm quite glad the overalls that she sometimes wore have disappeared in the later seasons because I never thought that was a good look. <laughs> Blip, it came back for like a hot second, but it got captured in Youngers. <laughs> yeah. I was glad that those went too. Yeah, I agree. I think Kelsey's wardrobe would definitely be something to abscond with. Also, if I had Sutton's legs, I would definitely wear some of the dresses that, uh, that Sutton wears. <sighs> I don't need just a raise. I need her whole figure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to be picky and choosy. I don't want the whole thing because, you know, she's got to save something for herself. It's just, I mean, she's got these long Broadway dancer legs. And, uh, you know, I I don't. I'm my little five foot sickness, five foot sixness. Not rocking those Broadway dancer legs. Yeah, I'm just still a couple of inches shorter as well. So, you know. Yeah, she's like yeah. five nine. So she's, she's a tall lady. <laughs> so Nico's answer was... Debbie Mazar's closet wasn't even the character. It was Debbie herself, who, who, um, if you're not aware, plays Maggie. I love this, but also mentioned that she basically brings her own clothes, does her own makeup. Not a surprise, she is a trained makeup artist. (laughs) Yeah, basically, she, he's, he was like 90% of the style is done by Maggie herself. She's another one we learned who brought in her own clothes and that became part of the costume design as well because she just already had an eye for her own style and how it matched Maggie's style. I was I was surprised to learn that, that 
she did most of it herself. I, I liked, I love hearing that kind of stuff, really. A surprise moment about the outfits, but I wasn't really surprised about the makeup. I could understand her doing her own makeup. Like you said, if she's a trained makeup artist, she understands what looks best on her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the next one was kind of about the premise of the show. So the premise of the show is to re-enter the workforce. How do you dress someone who is trying to be younger and what were the challenges as the show went on? Uh, so this was quite an interesting answer for Jackie, so I'll leave it for you to, to say what she said. So I really like what Jackie was saying, how like season one was very confusing for dressing Sutton because like it was basically like throwing everything at the wall and like seeing what would stick for someone who's 40 trying to dress younger as she grew and as she matured in this role of a 26 year old they they ended up stripping away some of the layers because they said you know Sutton was very layered in that first season there was lots of like tie on you know like around her waist kind of stuff so they started stripping away the layers and finding her true self in this younger capacity. So I like that duality of like her being able to find herself as a 40 something year old, as a 26 year old. And then that's how they looked at her, her costume design. And then Jackie also said she also found that a simple dress was the best way to showcase this statuesque Broadway figure that she has. And the evolution, she talked about like, this is what I like the most. I think, and this is why I enjoy attending these things. She talked about she was seeing the evolution of these characters over seven seasons and looking at their their maturing, seeing where they, they're ending up. So she's like, yeah, so I loved how intentional she was about seeing these characters as a whole as the show went on. So where they come from a very um, young, you know, part in the beginning. I, I, I think we just take for granted that these things happen and to understand that a costume designer is a storyteller as well. Um, one of my friends is a costume designer and like the things that she's able to create from from nothing, from, from a vision in her mind to something that is on a body and walking down a stage, a runway, a, a sidewalk showcase of something, whatever it is that she's done in her career. I remember one time like she had like, she was doing a promo for Dunkin' Donuts and she had to dress a person in a Dunkin' Donuts coffee cup. It's like like the white iconic like (laughs) foam. Yeah, so she had to do that. And so for me, seeing how she can take like, here, we need you to do this to actually seeing it on a model was just like, I'm in awe of people who are that creative. I'm not that creative. It's watching her process and and her just talking about and just the pride that she has in in what she's done and what they've accomplished together. I really enjoyed that. Molly talked about this too. She was very complimentary about Jackie being able to tell this story through clothes. Okay, this might be my other favorite part. when Because you and I have talked about this, how the clothes in New York City are their own characters in the show. And Molly said that exact same thing. I was like, yes, yes, that is very true. And just wanting to get that final scene right. I just enjoyed so much hearing the intentionality of that final bar scene with the four girls sitting at the table, sharing the successes and how each outfit was so intentionally planned to show who they are now, who they were, those personal touches that make them them. You know, when she was talking about the earlier seasons, I remember some of those layered looks and some of them were not the best. But then also someone in their 20s 
is having fun with fashion and playing around with it and they'll make mistakes and some things work and some things don't and that's their time to sort of find their style you know you can kind of see that progression in the series as well you know she's going back to her 20s and trying all these different styles out even though she was you know the mum in her 40s she couldn't be that anymore so she had to try and find something new and different and I think where she's ended up now is not where she would have been if she'd stayed a mum in New Jersey oh definitely definitely and I, I like the fact that they talked about you know that being something that they allowed the show to do to, to have her make those mistakes and then that was the part of the evolution of her character so we touched a little bit on the filming during COVID. Um, was there anything else from this that you wanted to, to share? So I thought it was interesting how they said, you know, they didn't really get to do any rehearsals because of COVID and, and they had to wear like face shields and all sorts of things and get so many tests done and Molly couldn't visit her parents even though they were only 10 minutes away because you know I guess they had to be in a bubble type situation we were maybe a, we were a little bit harsh in some of our criticisms at points during the season <laughs> <laughs> about the story and things but I think it, it was quite challenging for them to film this final season at least we got a final season at least they didn't just go it's too difficult we're just not going to bother. I still, still, still wish Diana could have been in it in some way or shape or form in more way. But I guess with the delays to filming, um, the way they had to film, I mean, even the fact that at one stage you're talking about having eight separate episodes sort of filming at the same time, it sounds like it, it was a massive challenge to just get this season done. So maybe we needed to be a little bit less harsh on our criticisms with this season I think they had a lot to deal with <laughs> it does help to put into context then some of the questions and the criticisms that we've had having something like this like it's almost like they need to like put this as a bookend onto like some of the episodes like a little bit here a little bit there Molly saying like thank god we had each other and we were already an established family tv family because I couldn't go see my parents who were 10 minutes away could you imagine trying to do the first season of a show and you know you don't get to rehearse like you usually would you don't get to make that connection to make the chemistry to show on screen you know we talked about earlier how the chemistry of the show is what makes it so good but if you had to film it in that way as your first season I'm not sure that it would have it wouldn't have had the same feeling I, I really liked what Nico said that this season was a love letter to the resiliency of New York City March April last year was a tragedy in this city of what was going on like we were we were like ground zero again for like so much bad stuff that was going on with covid so the fact that i mean i remember the day that like things started shutting down my, my son's school shut down i remember them saying that law and order was shutting down like law and order shutting down like that doesn't that's been going on forever how could it possibly shut down <laughs> so the fact that they were able to come back and do this show and and you and i talked about how new york is its own character. There's so many scenes and there's so many settings that they show and understanding now that the, the challenges that they had, I appreciate as being a New Yorker, what this city has meant to the show and what 
them doing this final season in New York City. I mean, all of it was shot here with the exception of like the Long Island little bits, which is, you know, my other home. I, I just, I, I love that it was intentional and I love that it was, it was part of Nico's understanding of how this season needed to go. Is that like, this, we needed to do this because the city needed to like come back and, and, and do all the things that it needed to because it was a shit show last year. It really was. We were, we were the preview of what was to come for everybody else, unfortunately. So the fact that they got this and it ended in such a happy way and that, frankly, that we got television, we got new television throughout all of this. The actors, the creatives, the cast, like all these people deserve like such accolades and our appreciation because this this is not easy at all with what we learned with like the face shields and the goggles and the frequent COVID testing. So I give my, I tip my hat to them seriously because that I tip Nico's hat to them because <laughs> that was a hat. I just, I was appreciative of the intentionality of it for them. Uh, so the next question was, what do you want for your characters in the future? So I really loved Nico's response saying, uh, Josh got the big W because uh, it wasn't Charles at the end, but there was definitely potential for Josh. I was excited for that. He even said, like, Josh is in his prime. He's stepping into his prime. He's buying that building. He, he mentioned his other friends, like the, the flatmates. That just disappeared. And, yeah. and the band he was in when I he used to play the washboard. <laughs> I remember, and it reminded me, there was like a whole episode about him going and playing at a festival. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I loved Molly's answer. First of all, we got a shout out. She said, hella good PR. And I was just like, hella good. I'm taking that as a win. It was intentional. No, I, I enjoyed that she talked about how Lauren is so fiercely loyal to her friends and that she needs to focus on herself and that she would have liked to have seen Heller Good PR go further. So if you did not know that that is where we got the name for this podcast, we got from Heller Good PR. So yeah, and not my last name. <laughs> it was all intentional. It was all part of the whole, the gestalt of, of it all. But yeah, yeah, no, I was surprised that Nico thought uh, Josh would have more children maybe in the future listen this show is only aged three years and seven seasons so i am the same age that that sutton father or that liza would be at this point we are no the kitchen is closing the lights are off like we are wiping down the kitchens like physically it's possible mentally it's not <laughs> uh, look my grandma had children in her 40s she had children very very late got married very very late as well and i'm just like how how did you do that? I, no, I mean, bad enough, I had my son in my 30s. Like, that was, poof. Yeah. And she lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere as well. So, you know. Well, what else was there to do? <laughs> you know, have kids. Yeah, pretty much. And maybe they just went and, you know, workers for the farm, but ended up with two girls and no boys. <laughs> <laughs> Urgh, need someone to carry the milk down to the That's shed. That's right. My mum was pretty good on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> the last question that Joanna asked was, what were their favorite memories from the series? I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed all of their answers. I think Molly wiping away the couple of tears that appeared was very heartfelt. Nico was getting a little verklempt, it sounded like. That's why this was my favorite highlight from this panel, is that these people really love each other. We're, we got spoiled to get such a show with such chemistry and such genuine love for each other. And it shows. It shows in this little Zoom panel that I watched on my teeny tiny phone. It, it was like this was my moment for this panel. Like that's why I I watched it. I attended it because I wanted to to hear like the answer to this question. So tell me, what did you think about their answers? Essentially, both were 
the the sort of the final scenes, the final days that they spent with the cast and the crew. Although then Nico did also mention Jalapeno Dick, which definitely was a memorable scene. <laughs> which was hilarious. And I went back and I watched that episode because just a great episode. You know, Molly just saying like how how much he laughed in that scene and how so much of it was improv and I found like a, an interview with with Hillary Duff and she was talking about this scene and she said that Nico was like absolutely not we are not taking the little regular size yogurt container like we need a big yogurt container like this is my junk here. <laughs> Which it's then big. made it even funnier because it was just like, no, 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 we can't, no, we can't have that one. No, 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 no. But for him to say that that was like the most fun scene for him to ever film, I think was hilarious. And then it, it's worth going back to watch it. It's in season four. 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 Yeah, season four. I mean, I just watched four it. Four or five. It was with Claire. It was four with Claire. So with it's, Claire. You're, you've got a very narrow timeline. And it was quite early on in their relationship. So it went a long way to establishing. I think like, it was the, their first official date. Yes. So it goes a long way in establishing their relationship and the tone, I guess, of their relationship. Uh, I love that Jackie's answer was uh, Princess Pam Pam <laughs> for Liza. I mean, that, that was definitely an outfit and a half. That was with the takeoff of uh, Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. I also like that she threw in Lauren's 30th birthday, that Barbarella look, that, you know, Little Women in Space, because we talked about that too being very, very much very a throwback long. to like the 60s <laughs> and and just how like the the relationships again they talked about molly talking about the way that the scheduling worked that she was the last one for everyone's last day like she was there for everyone's last day and that's when she got like a little emotional again but i also love how she said something surprised her for her last day yeah so that she was so she was there so molly was there for everyone's last moments and hugs and the before and the after but she said her very last day of filming it was like magical she's like Sutton like came out of the dark and embraced me and she was like i this is what she said i wrote fan letters to this girl at 14 just her saying it was a gift of her life to work on this show like that's a beautiful thing to to share it's a beautiful thing to experience we get to be a part of it i think that's really a great connection to this show like it it deepens our our emotional connection i think to this show definitely no it was it was a great panel to to watch and listen to it and just like you said see the emotion that they had around the show ending it was fantastic so i'm very glad that i got to watch it i'm excited yeah so so atx goes until june 20th there's still time to buy your tickets and then when you buy your ticket you get access to their video on demand library hopefully this will still be part of it so let me ask you so we just said goodbye to these characters so was this something that was beneficial for you did this like kind of like you know scratch your itch for more younger definitely because i'm not ready to say goodbye yeah. <laughs> it's like, i've loved the show for so long because as, as we mentioned before i watched this show back when it first came out but then struggled to access the season right so i had you know dribs and drabs of it over the years so to finally be in a country where i can like binge the show and watch it when i want which i hadn't been able to do in the uk I have maybe overdosed a bit on it in the last year, but I still want more. And I'm like a little bit sad that this is the end because, like I said, I don't want it to be the end. I'm still praying for a spin off, although everything I'm reading is that's looking much less likely. But I don't know. I'm always an optimistic person about these things. I need that optimism. 
Well, in the year of COVID, you know, Josh Gad had the Together Apart series. I don't know if you saw any of those on YouTube. He did a lot of reunions. He did like the Goonies cast. He did he did Ghostbusters. He, he did a bunch of things from the 80s. So, oh, he did Back to the Future. That was fantastic. I'm, I'm quite intrigued by this Goonies one. I think I have to go and find Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, so he basically like organized like all the actors from these iconic movies from our childhood because he's our age, to come back and like talk and basically do this little reunion panels, like impromptu, they're on YouTube. I'm confident that there will be a younger reunion. And if it does happen, I'm pretty sure that it will be like even in the next couple of years at ATX. Because Younger's had a presence at ATX basically all the years that it's been on. This would be perfect because there's such deep roots here. When uh, I did the, the summary of this one the other night with Mike, he was talking about the dailies, Caroline and Paul, are in Texas, not far from Austin. So, like, this could be, like, a pod clubhouse, you know, gathering of, like, the New York office and the Texas office. And, uh, and then I was like, and then the stragglers, like like me, <laughs> that we can all just get together, and, uh, you know, cover ATX in person because covering these festivals is a ton of fun. And Austin is the type of town where the talents, the creatives, the people who are part of the panels just go and hang out because Austin is, like, that kind of a city. I feel like when international travel opens, I want to come along as well. Yes, that, that was the invitation. So you can get direct flights from Australia to Dallas, Fort Worth, I think. So yeah, Dallas and Austin are not that close to each other. <laughs> Texas is big. It's still closer than Australia. True, true. But like when you get to Dallas, you're like, I got to drive how long now? Yeah. It's also like my other options are probably LA. I don't think we can get to San Francisco from Australia. Yeah, I think it's like LA or Dallas-Fort Worth, or you've got to do like a stopover somewhere along the way. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, it was was definitely great. Hopefully they will do another one in future years. It would be fantastic to have Diana on it. Right. Talking about how she felt about missing... Yeah, and her statement necklaces and find out what happened in Italy. Yeah, I need I need to know like, you know, what was happening in the uh, the Rome office there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I just want to thank you all for listening. This has been Hello Good the Younger Podcast covering the younger panel at ATX. This is Sheila. And this is Emma. If you can head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to these podcasts, all the Pod Clubhouse podcasts. This will likely be our last Hello Good podcast. <laughs> sniff you can definitely listen to all the things that pod clubhouse has uh rate review and subscribe it's very much appreciated for five stars it helps other people find these shows to get as much enjoyment out of them that you do you can find pod clubhouse on all the things all the social media platforms at pod clubhouse thanks so much for listening talk to you soon bye bye thank you for listening This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.